welcome aboard the Battleship Pretension. I am Tyler Smith. I'm David Bax. And thank you for listening. <laughs> David, how you doing? Better than you. You're all, you're like, I'm Eeyore and around here. <laughs> yeah, here's the situation, everybody. Uh, I was in a great mood earlier today because Josh and I recorded live at Biola University, and it was great. It went really well. Uh, and then as I went to put that episode up in the feed of more than one lesson, more than one lesson, I encountered some technical difficulties, uh, that I have not been able to figure out. And David, you know, I mean, you don't know what this, you you know how this is. I do. You're just like, you, you hit this wall and you're like, this is, this can't be as difficult as it seems to be. I do completely understand. I'm doing everything. I'm troubleshooting in my brain constantly and it's just so frustrating. And so my my hope is that by the time, uh, by the time people are hearing this, everything has been fixed, and I can say, "Hey, head on over and listen to uh, us talk about Guardians of the Galaxy." Um, but yeah, it's uh, it's just so frustrating, and it has taken. Uh, a bit of a toll on my general mood. Yes. Um, and I woke Which, up earlier than I usually okay. do. But it's so. cast its gloom. Almost like we're in like a German expressionist film. Nice. Like your mood has cast, <laughs> it has changed the physical landscape of our, of our uh, in-home studio here. That is true, yes. Your office. Yeah. So uh, I'm going to try. It's, it is so frustrating <laughs> because literally like an hour and a half ago, I was... Top of the world, you know, and so and now here I am like a just a gloomy Gus. Yeah. Um, Well, you know uh, what might cheer you up? (laughs) Uh, That which just happened might cheer you up, um, which we won't talk about. Um, But, you know, what else might cheer you up? What's that? um, Paying some bills. Talk about our lovely sponsors. That does cheer me up to a certain extent. Okay, here we go. This episode of Battleship Pretension is sponsored by Mubi, a curated, a curated online cinema that brings its members a hand-picked selection of the best independent, international, and classic films. Every day, Mubi's uh, curators pardon me, uh, introduce a new title, and you have 30 days to watch it. That means there's always 30 wonderful films to enjoy, all for only $4.99 a month. Plus, when you use their mobile apps, you can download films to watch offline. There are a lot of great movies available right now. Among them, John Landis's An American Werewolf in London, a, f- a movie that you love, David. Yeah, one of my favorites of all time. The comedic horror film that revolutionized practical makeup effects. There's also a special offer for listeners of Battleship Pretension. You can try Mubi free for a month. Just go to Mubi.com, that's M-U-B-I dot com slash Battleship to redeem now. And I did actually... I've been kind of the last few weeks. I've been kind of tearing through that. I do want to talk very briefly. Some people might think, "Oh, thirty movies for five dollars. How is that better than Netflix? How is that? I mean, obviously, it's you shouldn't do this instead of Netflix. Yeah, you can do both. It's you can do all. How of is them. he going to watch Orange Is the New Black? Exactly. Like House yeah. of Cards. House of Cards. Bojack Horseman. Yeah. Did Did you watch that? I didn't. I heard it was good. It's pretty good. Um, and I tell you what. It here's what I like about movie uh and i'm not saying this just because they're paying me to uh the curated aspect of it this has happened to me maybe it's happened to you you go to netflix and there's a lot of stuff and you just feel like okay well now i don't know what i don't know what to pick whereas with movie it's it it reminds me of film school where it's hey 
you've only this is what we think is great maybe you think it's great too you've only got 30 days so there's there's a deadline aspect and there's this idea of these people think it's good so there you go it's clearly if you're listening to this show clearly mm -hmm. you've made a habit of turning to the internet yes for advice on what is good in cinema yeah i mean i'm not sure if the show in general is the right place but movie definitely is the right place. yes absolutely that's you know that's why they're uh that's why they're so great yeah and that's and that's the thing is i've talked to a couple of people and, and they it seems so counterintuitive that it's like oh it's only 30 movies for five dollars a month it's like but, but 30 of the best movies. 30 of the best movies that's the thing and that's and that's the and various you know various types of films you wouldn't necessarily expect an american werewolf in london to show up but there it is because they think it's a really great worthwhile right. movie so uh, so that's one of the things that I like about movie. And as I've said in the past, I'm actually quite honored that they've uh, chosen us to sponsor. Yeah, it's a big deal. Yeah. Um, so what's uh, what's going on with you? Oh, nothing. Okay. I'll tell you what's going on with me. Um, now, by the time you're uh, hearing this, um, Christopher Nolan's, uh, I call him Chris sometimes, yeah. Chris Nolan's Interstellar is out in theaters. Yes, probably number one at the box office, if I had to guess. Tearing up the box office yeah. charts. What's it opening against? Big Hero 6? The Theory of Everything? Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, is, is Big Hero 6 this week or next week? It's I this think, week. Oh, okay. Yeah. Um, we didn't have nobody going to the screening. We had a screening invite. Couldn't yeah. get nobody to go. Yeah. If you live in Los Angeles and you want to <laughs> review movies for us yeah. and you don't suck... At, at writing about movies and frankly even if you do I mean, well, look, I, i'm not saying i'm that great i'm not saying you have to be great at writing about movies i'm saying yeah. don't suck yeah um anyway um at this point my definition of not sucking is can you do can you crank out 800 words if so <laughs> 800 words is a lot we isn't, have, that, isn't that our our, our standard now our minimum review i've told our writers before although i should probably update that um is 400 words that's the minimum Really? But I'd say I do more like 700 uh, review. My Interstellar review is about 850. I guess it depends on the movie. There are some, fi- like my Birdman review is pretty damn long. You do go on. I, yeah. <laughs> well, <laughs> Actually, you know I haven't read that one. I'm waiting until I see the movie. I'll say this. When I feel like a movie deserves it, you know, I don't, like if it's a film that I feel like this, I can't sum this up. I want to explore oh, yeah, it as I deeply as I can. I don't Whereas try to get out under a certain, I don't have yeah. a word like maximum. Where it's something if like I, Dracula and Toll is like, get in, tell people it sucks, get out. <laughs> um, but yeah, if something like inspires me, yeah. um, either way, you know, yeah. I can definitely go on quite a bit. I think, I think my longest review is probably Cloud Atlas, which I think is fitting because I'm yeah. essentially reviewing six movies. <laughs> <laughs> um, anyway, that's neither here nor there. What, what is here and there mm-hmm. is uh, Chris, Interstellar. Christopher Nolan's Interstellar. It is here in the, you know, you bend space time, wormhole, yeah. that sort of thing. Um, and I will say this overall, I did not like Interstellar. Okay. I would probably give it a letter grade. I would probably give it a C minus. Yeah. Which, I mean, I, I, I think I gave Inception like an F. So that's clearly a big improvement. Um, and I'm not we don't a, actually I'm do the a, letter yeah, grades. I'm not a but, huge fan of Inception, but I think an F is, you know. Uh, I really, really don't like Inception. Um, but hey, that's the thing, is I have been on this podcast, on Twitter, uh, on the website, mm-hmm. 
I have been very outspoken about how much I don't like Inception, um, and haven't liked um, Christopher Nolan's f- recent films that much at all. You know, you and I are both very tempered in our opinion of The Dark Knight. I think. Yes, I would say so. Certainly, I think we both recognize its strengths, but we were not uh, in that club of people who would consider it the best superhero movie of all time. Yeah, it's still actually pretty far up there for me for the for its strengths, but it has a it has a lot of weaknesses. Yeah, as and well. as is often the case, and one could say that when you're when you're when we're dealing with, I'll say a spectacular director. Mm-hmm. Like Christopher Nolan, by which I mean a director of spectacle. Okay, yeah. Um, when you're dealing with something like that, uh, maybe script shouldn't be a concern. But for me, almost all of his issues are at a script level. Like I always think that's those are my problems with The Dark Knight. Those are definitely my problems with Inception is just how clunky those scripts are. I would say, yeah, most of the problems with Interstellar boil down to that as well. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's a we, it's a script and pacing problem because it's a three hour movie that okay. it sometimes seems to be dragging when nothing's happening, and then sometimes skips over major events like way too quickly. <laughs> it's uh, it's almost like time is relative in space. Watch out. Um, anyway, that's not the point. What I'm trying in to space, say is, no one can hear you yawn. Has anyone uh, written that? Probably. I feel like that's a probably. someone probably wrote that. Um, t- I, excuse me, I have to go revise my review. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, so I didn't like Interstellar. And another thing that happened this week is that I revisited the Grand Budapest Hotel. Mm. Similarly, a well-liked director that I have been vocal about not responding to. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I didn't like the Grand Budapest Hotel very much the first time I saw it. And I, I actually like you, what usually happens with Wes, Wes Anderson's films is that they annoy me the first time. And then the second time, I just sort of appreciate them for what they are, which is... They're not entirely good, without but, their charms. Yes, but I I, I I tend to expect more from them the first time because I tend to expect a certain thing from every movie I see the first time. Mm-hmm. And often movies that I don't like the first time, I will enjoy more the second time because I lower my expectations. Yeah. So I enjoyed the Grand Budapest Hotel more the second time because I lowered my expectations. Uh, and it's it's an easy watch. I won't be revisiting Interstellar anytime soon. Yeah. Because it's way, way – it's – it's uh, anyway, uh, it, you know, you're talking about 99 minutes versus 169 minutes. Yeah. Um, but anyway, what I wanted to talk about is the idea of – being fairly consistent in my dislike of a director Mm -hmm. and then almost feeling uh, ashamed when I don't like another one of their movies because I feel like I don't want people to think that I'm, that I made up my mind before I went in. Absolutely. I know that I'm, I like, no one has accused me of that by the way, but I just get in my own head about that. Like as I was leaving interstellar with my, my, I saw with my friend, uh, Patrick, Patrick's been on the show, friend of the show, Patrick star. Yeah. Um, and I was like, I was just, we didn't talk for a while because I think we were both uh, just really upset by how much we didn't like the movie by the end. Yeah. And I like, eventually I was like, I really wanted to like that. Like, there, and there's a lot about it that, in, especially in the middle, the middle hour has a lot of really good stuff. Yeah. And it's all the more frustrating because I go in wanting to like these movies and i guess i just wanted to bring up this idea that um i don't just give lip service to the idea that you should 
expect the most out of every film you see. Yeah. It becomes, I've talked about before, even in recent weeks, that um, seeing, uh, going to press screenings and seeing movies as regularly as I do, and mm-hmm. like movies, unlike movie, I'm not curating my uh, intake as much as I used to because yeah. I'm seeing press screenings. So it does dampen my spirits a little bit, and I fight against that. And yeah. so I just wanted to make the point that I really do want the best out of every movie I see. And I don't have a grudge against the director just because I've disliked their work and so many other people seem to like it. Maybe I have a grudge against those people. You know, you know, the thing that I have uh, encountered and I know what you mean is this idea is people, you don't want to be, you certainly don't want to pigeonhole yourself and you don't want to come off as one note. Uh, but I've actually found that, that you don't run across as many people say like, cause what, what you're essentially saying is if you said, I don't. I don't care for Interstellar. You're worried that people will be like, "Oh, you just, you just hate Christopher Nolan." That's right. why, yeah, or yeah, yeah. or Wes Anderson. I actually don't find that. What I do find is when I like something that a director has done, and other people don't, and they're like, "Ah, you like everything he does." Like that, I have encountered way more than the other one, which is very strange. Huh. Um, but yeah, it's no, it's it's perfectly. It's like, a, it's, like a, it's like the film class that they're in at the beginning of Scream Two. Okay. Right, sure. And I think Joshua Jackson is—they're talking about good sequels because it's meta. They're talking about yeah, which sequels are actually good. And Joshua Jackson, I think, mentions both Aliens and Terminator Two. Mm-hmm. And then I think Timothy Olyphant is the one who says you've got a hard on for Cameron. That's what yeah. he says. So that's essentially—it's Joshua Jackson. I think he's not in the movie very much, but I think he's in that film. Oh, okay, film. I only saw. Or is it Jamie Kennedy who says that? Because Jamie Kennedy's in the class, but yeah, I feel yeah. like this is introducing the other characters. And Timothy Oliphant goes on to play a big role in the movie. Yeah, yeah. Way too big of a role, one could say. <laughs> or maybe a regular role that is then played way too big. Um, but yeah, it's... Uh, yeah, there, there is this weird thing. It's like, ah, you've just got to... I don't know what it is. Like, you like a thing, mm-hmm. and thus you can be dismissed. Whereas, if you can... I think... For some reason, well, I think... I'm trying to think of people, any examples, though. Um, let's see. Like, if I was talking, like, what's, what's like, a lesser work by, like, if, okay, let's say I really enjoyed Limits of Control. Right. I've not seen it, but I know you're not a big fan of it. Um, but people, uh, people know that I'm a big fan of Jim Jarmusch. And so if right. I liked Limits of Control and nobody else responded to it, they would have been like, ah, you just got a hard on for Jarmusch. Like, you're giving right. him a pass. You know? Right. I feel like that's an exa- that didn't happen because I haven't seen the film, but, you know, I could see that being a thing. But, I, you know, that kind of ties into what I'm talking about here, too, is that those people have also made up their minds in a certain way. Yeah, You know what I mean? Well, they're making to, up their mind at the very least, and we all do this, to say that this this film so didn't resonate with me that I cannot perceive right, right. it as resonating with anybody else. But you know what I'm reminded of is people who know that Joe Dante is a respected director, mm-hmm. and when I try to tell them how great Looney Tunes back in action is... They, I think even among people who haven't seen the Newtons back in action, yeah. I'd say almost solely among people who haven't seen it, it's just assumed that it's a lesser work or a paycheck job that he took yeah. and not one of the defining yeah. uh, movies of his As career. As opposed to the thing that he was working towards his entire career. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. I guess there's, there, there's assumptions uh, involved all the time, but it's, but I guess in this case, we're talking about people who they've seen the film and you've seen the film. And, you know, in this case, I think people have, have started to, 
wow, this sound this is going to sound shitty of me. Okay. Uh, warning, everybody. As I've said, not in the best mood. I feel like people have started to come around on Christopher Nolan. Or one could say started to come around Turn to... Turn on him. Yeah, maybe that's it. But even that sounds maybe a little too aggressive. I think people have started to sort of, as you and I have done for the last couple of movies, uh, sort of... I wish I could describe this, but it's this. Okay? <laughs> turning turning give, your give head... in the side eye. Yeah. Like, a sidelong glance, I guess. Like, <laughs> okay. just narrowing their eyes and being like, you know what? I think maybe, yeah. I don't think he's what... He's, it's, it's a, I think he's very much a, a filmmaker that, you're, that you will love, including myself, that you will love probably until about age 23. And then, the thing, my thing and about then you, Christopher Nolan is that I think he, and I talked about this in my review, I think he is immensely talented, but he misunderstands his own talents. And he, yeah. uh, I think, somehow has convinced himself that he has to make something huge for it to be, I don't know, important or worthwhile. And I don't just mean long. His movies are all too long. <clears throat> or, I mean, the, the recent ones are. But, I mean, he's, keeps going for this grandeur that i don't think i don't think he needs i don't think to execute according to his talents he doesn't need to be as literally big as he is let me ask you this and this is a a loaded question but loaded with what i'm not right i'm not really sure do you think christopher nolan is ambitious um yeah i would say i would say he definitely is yeah i mean uh, for all i don't like about about inception Okay. Um, I mean, it's, uh, you know, there's some people who say when a movie comes out like Inception, whether it's good or bad, people say you should support this film because we complain all the time about everything being a remake or a reboot right. or a sequel or whatever. Uh, and this is an original film. And I don't think that that sentiment is actually very helpful in the long run. But I, I do think that um i have a bit of a higher level of respect for him because yeah. i do think he's ambitious but i also think michael bay is ambitious in his way and i just don't i just don't like his stuff yeah i think maybe the the thing that gets me and i guess i guess my uh my foul mood is just coming down on christopher nolan um <laughs> i guess my question becomes is he ambitious is he as ambitious as he thinks he is? And I think no. Like one of our big problems with Inception oh. is that that whole that big line that you and I always go to is like, oh, you must dream larger. It's like, yeah, I agree. You should have <laughs> this. Uh, this and no. This only occasionally approximates an actual dream. I wish he had been more ambitious with that film. This reminds me, and then we should um, do some more ads and then get into the topic. Yeah. Um, did you see? Uh, we didn't talk about it last week because we had a guest and we had a specific topic. But a couple weeks ago, um, there was an, uh, I guess, an, well, a fun little editorial from, I want to say, Esquire UK that okay. uh, made the uh, made the rounds. That was, um, it, it was, uh, I think it was called Films Stupid People Think Are Clever. Oh, yes, I saw that. And it reminded me of our discussion of the Mad Zoller Sites article about writing about form. Mm-hmm. Um, or writing about filmmaking. Um, it's a little bit less academic than that. But I had that same feeling of being like, I think I am 90% on board with these people. 
But the ten percent I'm not on board, which is their fucking tone, yeah, yeah. is turning me off with the rest of it. Because most, I, I don't know if people listening read this. You can Google uh, movies that stupid people think are clever. It's, mm-hmm. it's something like that, yeah. And you and you'll find it. Um, and it's basically a list of uh, movies that I would say people drinking age and under or like 21 and under yeah. um and are in film school tend to like a lot and i think a lot of people tend to grow out of them some people don't and i don't hold yeah. and that there's the difference i don't hold it against those people who don't yeah. grow and even saying grow out of it is actually really condescending i'm realizing but um uh it was with a couple of exceptions because they had the matrix on there which i really like um, and it had Shawshank Redemption on there, which I think I like. It's been a long, long time since I've seen it, but I have it's, good memories of it. It's hard to dislike that movie. Um, but it was essentially a list of movies I don't like. No. Um, I think Inception was on there. Fight Club was on there. Yeah. Um, Life Aquatic was on there as a stand-in for Wes Anderson films in general. And I think they aired by including Life Aquatic because even a lot of Wes Anderson films. Yeah, yeah. They should have included, um, you know, Royal Tenenbaums or something that uh, people like more. Um Anyway. But I feel like that one doesn't actually apply for that. Okay. Bottle Rocket, I'm with you, but that, <laughs> that can be put off as a first film. Uh, anyway, I'm not sure where I was going with that. I guess I just wanted to see if you... I wanted to see if you read it, which it sounds like you did. I did. And I wanted to see if you agree with me that um, their tone really soured the whole thing. It did because I think it's one of those things that it didn't allow... And I guess, you know, an article like that, of course, there's not going to be a great deal of subtlety in it. But I feel like that type of article and that type of tone, it sort of implies that no one should get any value from these films. But that's the thing. We're talking about people of a certain age. And by the way, that is a condescending thing. I said age 23, you (laughs) said drinking age and and below college. And then you grow and then you get older, you have different experiences in life, more mature experiences in life. And maybe these films won't have the same appeal to you as they did before, but you might've needed those films at that time in your life. Uh, to to not even go on to better films like though maybe those films are accomplishing exactly what they're trying to do yeah i think you and i not to pat ourselves on the back but totally to pat ourselves on the back all right you and i could do essentially as an episode do the topic that these two guys from esquire uk were writing about we could do it much more thoughtfully Mm -hmm. uh at greater length of course of course and much more even handedly Mm -hmm. and Maybe that's why we're not as popular as some other websites and podcasts, because we're not going for that. We're not going for them clicks. So you're saying we're, I wish. <laughs> uh, so you're saying that we're, we're too pure. We're too pure for this world. Exactly. Okay. Exactly. I got it. All right. Let's pay some more bills. All right. Absolutely. Yeah. Right after we said too pure. <laughs> All right. Yeah. Let's soil ourselves a little bit. All right. That's nice. All right. We stand by these. Uh, very much so. Yes. Um, I'm very happy. We have a pretty good slate of sponsors right now. I'm very excited about it. It's pretty. Uh, This episode is sponsored by Aperture, providing quality movie making equipment at an affordable price. If you're an independent filmmaker, you know all about the high price of equipment rental and the even higher price to purchase the equipment. With lights, microphones, cameras, and more, Aperture is committed to helping independent filmmakers and photographers achieve their dream without going bankrupt. To find out more, just click on the ad at battleshippretension.com. Okay. Um, you can also um, go to tweakedaudio.com. That's where you go for professional quality earbuds in a variety of styles and colors. And uh, we stand by them. We use them. Mm-hmm. Um, they are not only do they sound great, but they look great. You feel like a million bucks walking around town with those hanging out of your ears. 
Uh, it's tweakedaudio.com. It's a great product. Professional quality earbuds. If you go to tweakedaudio.com slash pretension, you get all that for one third off and no shipping charges. So tweakedaudio.com slash pretension. Let's get into it, shall we? Indeed. Um, yeah, our, our topic that took us oh, a little over 20 minutes. Hey, that's short. For our that's, uh, that's very um, um, impressive for us. It was not our topic. <clears throat> the topic I wanted to talk about because we're getting to... We're getting to uh, award season here. Yes. It's, um, I would say, oc- uh, beginning of October to end of February is my favorite part of the year. Yes. Um, but not because January has great releases. It's just a no, good, but it's precisely because it doesn't have great releases. If we're it's catching up us. on stuff. Yeah. Um, and uh, perhaps not coincidentally, though, that time period, specifically the end of that time period, is when our traffic always spikes. <laughs> on the website and the podcast <laughs> we, uh, well it's and okay the thing is with what we're trying to do on this show um mm-hmm. which is champion great movies and and that sort of thing um it's that's the time of year that people in general might think in those terms more right so they might be seeking out something yeah something that we're offering every three 365 24 7 365 we're handing out samples trying to get you hooked and uh, people only come uh, when the when the weather's cold. I probably stand about by about seventy percent of what we do. It's <laughs> <So. But> still <laughs> the majority. Anyway, um, I was thinking about some of the movies that I've seen recently um, uh, that that have been coming out. I've been catching up on you know uh, you know I don't I don't like to brag. <laughs> <laughs> but you know i get to go to some screenings and stuff at this time of the year because they're you know i'm lucky enough to live in los angeles and be uh invited to these awards type screenings because you're part of the online film critic society that's correct um and uh so some of the ones that i've seen recently including uh john michael mcdonough's calvary mm-hmm. um which i could do a whole episode on um it won't make my top 10 of the year, but when we do our, like, Between the Cracks episode for yeah. stuff, great movies that won't make our lists, mm-hmm. I'll definitely be talking about Calvary. Yeah. Um, because I can't stop thinking about it. Yeah. I've um, got one like that, too, that I just saw. Oh. I can't wait to hear what it is. Indeed. Um, I'll probably talk about it in this episode, actually. So, it's... but uh, Okay. So, a thing like Calvary is released by Fox Searchlight. Mm-hmm. Um, same company releasing Birdman. Okay, yeah. Uh, now this is not Fox. Fox is Fox is. It's uh, a major studio. Uh, Fox is huge. Right. Fox is huge. They pump millions of dollars into their movies. Uh, right. I feel like you're being sarcastic. I am. Because um, Fox is big. What are we saying? Fox Searchlight is also giant. This is what I'm saying. Okay. okay, because yeah, Fox's movies this year, like for awards time, are like Exodus, Gods and Kings, and Gone Girl, and yeah. The Fault in Our Stars, um, which I, I shouldn't have included in The Fault in Our Stars. That's probably didn't was a weird, that much. I didn't expect that. <laughs> I was just trying to think of what Fox is putting out yeah. uh, and and pushing for awards uh, attention. Um, but there's an idea, you know, the movies that are Fox Searchlight, Birdman, Calvary, mm-hmm. um, Wild. Uh, oh, okay. Uh, probably something else um, are the ones that are going to be more likely to show up at the independent spirits, but they'll also show up at the Oscars. And I just feel like I don't know how to define what we mean 
especially at this time of the year, what we mean when we say movie is independent. Because I think there are... Um, I think you can try to get a concrete definition. Yeah. Um, which is going to be tough to pin down and I think is going to end up including... I think if you... My idea of a concrete definition of independent would include mm-hmm. um, Calvary. Not necessarily Birdman. I'm not sure what the history behind that is. Yeah. Um, but I, I don't... But, but I, I, I'm, I'm having trouble reconciling in my mind the sort of technical financial based definition of an independent film and what that connotation is and i think it's i think they and especially because the connotation is different to different people yeah i i I don't think of these as independent films no not at all and i think i've said in the past that at this point especially when it comes to the independent spirit awards you know, if you look through the uh, the nominations and stuff, every once in a while you'll you'll see a film that makes you think. In which I say, "What's that?" <laughs> and I don't think that independent films should necessarily have that to it, but I think there's probably an element to it because they don't have a, pu- uh, a, a publicity budget. Um, but I feel like the Independent Spirit Awards are very aptly named because. They're not just the Independent Film Awards. They're the Independent Spirit Awards. (laughs) And that speaks to something that I know I've said on the show before, which is the the concept of an independent film, when it comes to those, it's more like a general vibe than an actual budget. But even that is hard to pin down. Let's talk about a film from last year from the director of Wild, Mm -hmm. uh, Dallas Buyers Club. Okay. Um, Now, Dallas Buyers Club very much fits... The independent, the current independent spirit idea of mm-hmm. what independent spirit is. Yeah. But not traditionally, because Dallas Buyers Club, as I, I really like that movie, by the way. Yeah. Um, it, there was a time when that movie would certainly have been made by a studio. That, that, sort, of, that sort of story is, you know, an uplifting, true life story with... Uh, uh, a somewhat a an a and b list cast <laughs> you know yeah, yeah. it's uh there, there's a time when that certainly would have been uh a uh a studio movie you know maybe in the 70s um in the, i think studio movies a studio movie in the 70s and the 90s not in the 80s uh, i feel like it'd be an independent film in the 80s uh partially because of its content um, oh yeah I, yeah the specifically the that part of it yeah, yeah. but uh so, but but it's for what it's worth, and I feel like I don't want to give the impression that I'm talking shit about Dallas Buyers Club because again, I actually do really like that movie. But it's not. It's Dallas Buyers Club is an incredibly well done movie of a type that we have not only seen before; we've seen endlessly. Mm-hmm. You know the 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 real life dramatization of an uplifting story is uh you know there there's a there's a billion of them yeah and so what i when i think of independent i i I tend to think of things that are a little more adventurous a little more daring yeah um and maybe calvary fits uh in that in that way but uh i i just i i think what i'm getting at really is that as much as we're going to sit here for the next probably hour and try to define what makes an independent movie, 
I think the the idea of having that divide is not helpful to anyone. Okay, let's see. I'm trying to think if I agree with that. Um, do you think? Um, you know what? Okay, I think I might disagree. Okay, ideally, I agree with you completely. Practically. I do think the the label of indie or independent. I make fun of, of Fox Searchlight and what is it, Paramount Vantage, which doesn't exist. I don't think yeah, that don't exists think that anymore. Is. But that was a big thing at the time. If, uh, Sony Pictures Classics, but Sony yeah. Pictures Classics does pick up and distribute some yeah. stuff that I would definitely consider independent. Yes, that is a yeah. Um, and Fox Searchlight probably does to some extent, but Sony Pictures to some so, Sony Pictures Classic, you know, Fox Searchlight puts out a handful of movies a year, mm-hmm. a half dozen, maybe ten. Sony Pictures Classics puts out, a, seems like they put on a movie every other week all year long. Yeah, and yet I still view them as smaller, which I recognize it's the word Sony is in there. But that, and I'm saying that's why they're yeah. they're smaller because they're picking up, they're acquiring the, yeah. the these festival things or, or foreign yeah. films and they're not blowing a whole lot of money on any one thing right they but then occasionally they are doing bit. things like you know woody allen's films or fox catcher right. or whatever right. that are that might as well be at fox Searchlight. yeah um yeah and so uh we're not talking shit about fox Searchlight by by the way i probably will in a minute okay I'm, so, I'm, not, I'm not i'm just trying to delineate you know actually i i have nothing against fox searchlight i i will speak ill of the independent spirit awards in a moment okay um but I do think maybe the the categorization of independent can be helpful because then you get – that allows, I think, certain producers, maybe even certain studios to say – to take on something they might not otherwise. Because if you said, no, 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 this will be like an indie kind of thing, immediately it gets them thinking, okay, yes, all right, indie – we know how to market that. We know how to make that work. We recognize it's not going it's not going to be a big thing. Whereas if you take that distinction away, then I feel like studios and PR people will only ever think in terms of, okay, what's a, what's gonna be number one at the box office and that will be their standard. But when you say independent, they immediately know we're not going to be putting as much money into it, so we don't need to expect it. And it might get us a certain kind of prestige with critics and maybe some awards. And so I feel like that label, though I don't like it and I think it makes almost no sense at all, practically – this is a conversation I've been having – you and I have had it on the show a few times and I've been having with other people, which is I'm willing to make certain um, uh, rhetorical concessions – if it means that a movie's more likely to get made and seen. And I feel like the indie label allows that to a certain extent. Okay. See, I think this is where we differ. I won't... Uh, I don't have any guilt about... <laughs> I don't have any trepidation about um, talking about an indie film that I think is terrible uh, with the same vigor that I would talk about a studio film that I think is terrible. Oh, no, don't get me wrong. I... Uh, there are plenty of any films that I hate, but if this allows a film to be made or at least distributed that otherwise wouldn't have been because of how the studio thinks of it, um, then I'm fine with that. But no, absolutely. Uh, if you know, right. If it's bad, it's bad. Okay. Um, yeah, I think that's actually a really good point that it works. Um, and that seems like a, a sort of, um, what's what I'm looking for? 
just a necessary evil that you have to yeah. accept this sort of branding mechanism yeah in order to get uh for there to be a niche for better films yeah. um i think that's actually a good point um but i still but the bad I, side I, of that is well sorry, I, I would never and i think there are some people probably some people listening to this podcast who would disagree with what i'm about to say but i would never endorse some people I would never endorse people going to see a movie to support a movie because it's truly independent. Like, I will tell you to go see a movie if it's good. If yeah. it's terrible, it's terrible. You know, it's like, uh, I can't remember who, more, more than one person. You know, we used to, we've talked about before, we used to go to a lot of comedy shows. We don't mm-hmm. anymore. We should probably do that more. Um, I was talking but, about, I haven't been to a comedy show in two or three years. Yeah, it's been a long time. I think yeah. it's been less than that for me, but it's been a long time. When we used to go multiple times a week yeah. to comedy shows. Um and sometimes you hear people say, thanks for coming out and supporting live comedy. And it's like, that's not what I'm fucking doing here. Yeah. I, I still want you to make me laugh just as if yeah. I was at some other, you know, the Laugh Factory, the comedy store. Yeah, or this, wasn't an, this wasn't an act of altruism here. <laughs> yeah, this is... I'm not writing off the eight buck admission fee on my, as a, as a tax deduction, <laughs> <laughs> you know. <laughs> uh, oh, could we try that? Yeah. So I, I, I find that kind of, uh, I find that very... Uh, What's the word I'm looking for? It's just soft. It's just wimpy. Yeah, and you know what? It's, it's such a frustrating thing because, I mean, this this can happen with any – anytime somebody says – and at this point, I, I'd, I'd be willing to say that indie is almost a genre in and of itself. I don't like that, though. I don't like it, but here's, what, here's why I say it for, for the purpose of what I'm about to say. Um, and we've talked about, like, movies that are ostensibly for women – uh, or the African American community, or as I've said, for Christians, there is within that community there is this feeling of we should go and support this, regardless of if it's good or not. And I feel like you get that in with, with the idea of you know you talked about it with people had this attitude of the Pacific Rim, and then you know Interstellar and Inceptions. Well, it's not based on previously existing property. So let's go see it on that principle alone. And again, whether or not the movie is good or even if it looks good, that Mm -hmm. doesn't matter to people. And that, uh, and I feel like that's always a, that's always a bad instinct because I don't, well, hang on now. (laughs) I'm I'm listening. Is it it always a bad instinct? Sorry. I'm, I'm really, uh, Really, really indecisive is, today. is what a bad instinct specifically to just go and to to give something your money mm-hmm. just because of the fact of the thing, not whether it's <laughs> yeah. good, not whether you want to see it, just because it exists and it might not exist if this thing, you know, mm-hmm. if we don't do this now. This is why independent film is not a genre as opposed to something like Christian film. Now, I don't think anybody should give Christian film money unless the film itself is good because there are plenty of people that say, um, say, well, we want to support a Christian film even if I don't think it's very good. It's like, yes, but by giving them your money in this particular instance, they now have no reason to get good. Whereas independent film, that is just a designation and – it's not it's not a genre. So 
giving your money to one independent film is not isn't that ter- is is bad it doesn't right. mean that some other independent film is going to be like well i mean this yeah. one made money so we don't have to do we don't have to do any, any better than that so i feel like it's not a perfect thing but people do tend to have that attitude that i don't think is necessarily good that just because it's independent and you find this a lot i think we found it a lot in college just because it's independent or foreign or old doesn't mean it's good yeah um um there's something to again, yeah. Just because it's old doesn't mean it's good. But old, I think at least within cinephile circles, old stuff like the cream tends to rise to the top. So often, absolutely, if a movie is half a century old and you still know about it, yeah. there's a good chance that there's something worthwhile going on in there. Yes, absolutely, because it stood the test of time. Anyway, that's a, a tangent. Um, but I want to get back to the idea of an, an independent as a genre because when I worked the first first video store I worked in. Uh, it was called Star Video. It was in Valley Park, Missouri. Um, it's not there anymore. Of course, there's no video stores anymore. Um, you know, there are still blockbusters in Alaska. Yep. They're not owned by... They're independently owned at this point. Yeah. Because, yeah. They're, but, no, yeah. The corporate the corporate blockbuster isn't overseeing the franchise, but there are still blockbusters in Alaska. Well, and apparently in certain parts of, of Alaska, uh, like streaming services and internet services are super slow oh it makes sense. and yeah. so people so disc still makes a lot of sense so anyway my first video store star video valley park missouri um had a section called indie not independent indie and this would have been at the, uh, the, the this would have been 2000 end of the 90s yeah beginning of a new century but specifically end of the 90s when, good for you for making for making that distinction because i think that's worth noting. Well, between indie and independent. Yeah. Especially in the 90s. There was a yeah. feeling that indie meant something. It meant... Um, edgy. Probably American. Probably, yeah, probably edgy. Yeah. Probably violent. Postmodern. Glib. Yeah. Sardonic. Jaded. Yes. Uh, it had, there was a feel that meant meant indie. Yeah. Um, Jennifer Tilly was probably involved somehow. <laughs> um, yeah. Anyway. Uh, and it always bothered me. At the time, um, because we would get movies in um, that were clearly independent movies, but yeah. were going into the drama section or the comedy section yeah. because they didn't fit this bill of what indie meant. Yeah. It's like uh, the music genre of alternative. Now, right. Tom Waits' Bone Machine won Best Alternative Album in 1992. Because at that time, alternative literally meant, we don't know where else to put this. <laughs> right. So this is the alternative. Right. And then, of course, it took on this after... In, College radio type Yeah, of, like not long after that, like yeah. probably 94, 95, alternative became a very specific sound. Um, and I feel like indie, indie and alternative are very similar in that yeah. respect. But um, does that still exist? Do people still say indie in that way that they did that back then? I think they might, I, if anything, I think it's shorthand for, um, it, it used in almost a derisive way. It's like, oh, it's very indie. Like people tend to say it knowing how people said it <laughs> right. in the nineties. Right. No, that's probably And they say point. it facetiously. But I want to list uh, a few movies that have come out in this year. All movies that I liked. Three of them. Uh, uh, Obvious Child. Okay. Um, maybe four. Um, The Guest. Yeah. Um, Happy Christmas. Okay. Um, Whiplash. Yeah. These are all independent features. Yeah. 
Would you find these all in the same section in a video store? Okay, list them off again. Uh, Obvious Child. Yeah. Comedy, right? Right. The Guest. I guess we're, where would you put that? Thriller? Thriller? Yeah. Still very funny, though. Yeah. Um, Happy Christmas, also co- dramedy. Okay. And Whiplash, drama, right? Yes, absolutely. Um, All independent films, all a very different feel. Some of them you'd take your mom to, some of them you wouldn't. Right, yes, um, absolutely. Uh, and, and I guess... I'm just trying to point out how different it's come from that point where, uh, you know, Pulp Fiction and Trainspotting and Ms. 45 were what what <laughs> defined yeah. indie at Star Video. Let me okay. Let me uh, throw this at you. I've I've got the uh, the last few Independent Spirit Award Best Picture winners. Okay, in when, front when of me. Is a Rob? Oh, boy, um, that <laughs> does have to pick like the least indie thing. Although, doesn't it have? Uh, doesn't it have almost an indie sensibility to it? Uh, actually, yeah. I if ever there like was an indie movie. musical, then that's the one. Well, no. Um, uh, Dance in the Dark. Oh, yes, yes. <laughs> well, yes. Okay, so the last... So starting with the most recent, then working backwards. 12 Years a Slave, Silver Linings Playbook, The Artist, Black Swan, Precious. Now, David, that's based on the novel Push by Sapphire. I don't right. know if you know that or not. Um, the Wrestler, Juno, Little Miss Sunshine, Brokeback Mountain, Sideways, Lost in Translation, Far From Heaven, Memento, Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon, and Election. Now, uh, yeah, a lot of these are varying degrees of independent, um, ver- yeah, and varying degrees of indie, <laughs> right? If, but t- like Twelve Years a Slave, if you're produced by Brad Pitt and Dee Dee Gardner's Plan B Productions. Like, okay, maybe one of these seven handful of studios didn't actually bankroll the thing. But yeah. that doesn't seem like in, in, it's in, independent to me. No, it's uh, when I think, like, how much struggle was there to get this movie made? Right. You've got an established director in the, at least in the art house world yeah. or whatever. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And you have some, at the very least, you have, it's not a studio, but you, so I guess it's independent of a studio, but like, but you have somebody who's Fox not. Search, was it Fox Searchlight? It sure was, yes. Yeah. Uh, but also, you have somebody funding it, or who's not going to run out of money. You're never going to run out of money, right? As opposed Which doesn't to make the film bad. I, I feel like I keep wanting to, especially because I feel like we're being really mean to Fox Searchlight, who has put out a lot of great. Like this year, Calvary and Birdman is supposed to be great. I by the time you're hearing this, I will have seen it, but I haven't seen it right now. I love it. Um, like clearly, Fox Searchlight is putting out some good shit. Yeah, absolutely. So. Just like we've said earlier that being indie doesn't make you good. Not being indie doesn't make you bad. Absolutely not. No, no. I'm just saying that it just – it feels like that's not independent. I mean certainly, you know, Silver Linings Playbook had big stars and its budget was like like $25 million, maybe even more. I yeah. don't remember exactly. And it's like $25 million. Now, I recognize that these days that's not that much. for the But for the type of movie it is, $25 million is – Plenty. Yeah, so I mean, how, do you think... Because here's where you run into a problem with that, is if you did say, okay, to be in, in the Independent Spirit Awards is our example, or some other independent-based mm-hmm. uh, awards organization, if they only gave out movies to a budget under, I don't know, $10 million to be generous, <laughs> that's, uh, sure, that's still sure. a lot of money. Yeah. Um, uh, that that might solve some of the issues that we have, mm-hmm. but then there's also other stuff that I think does exude an independent spirit that yeah. is much more expensive. Case in point, the aforementioned 
Cloud Atlas. Mm-hmm. It's a very expensive movie. Yeah. And it was distributed stateside by Warner Brothers. Yeah. Not Warner Brothers Independent, which used to exist for about a year and a half, I think. Yeah. <laughs> um, uh, I can name one of their releases, A Home at the End of the World. I can't think of anything else that Warner Brothers, Warner Independent yeah, put out. Yeah, got nothing. Um, anyway. Uh, but... Cloud Atlas is a completely completely funded its production outside of the uh, any major studio that yeah. we think of. Um and I would hate for Cloud Atlas because Cloud Atlas is too weird to get the mainstream awards attention. Right. I would hate for it to get shut out just because it costs a certain amount of money. So let me ask you this. Let me let me uh, throw this at you. Bill Gates decides he wants to get into the movie game. And he spends $200 million on a movie. It's outside the studio system. It's uh-huh. independent. But it is a $200 million budget. Like, I, it's, And I guess we get into, what's it about? What kind of movie is it? So, okay, so at this point. Because I think that's my So we are off, now, okay. When you so, read off those, and this is going back to what I said earlier about, um, about Dallas Buyers Club. When you read off those independent spirit uh, award winners. Mm-hmm. Those could be, and in some cases are, Academy Award Best Picture winners. Yes. And I feel like that's not the independent spirit. That's not the spirit of what we're talking about. You know, this is, the, the, this is supposed to be the organization that counter-programs their um, award show the same weekend mm-hmm. as the Oscars. And I think... And the Razzies. Um, yeah, sure. <laughs> the big competition. Yeah. Um, the Razzies, have they ever been televised? I don't know. There are so many TV stations, like TV networks. Why haven't the Razzies been televised? I feel like, because they have a ceremony. They do, yeah. Um, Anyway, this is beside the point. What I'm saying is, I would like the Independent Spirit Awards, regardless of budget, and maybe even regardless of studio, um, to recognize the kind of stuff that doesn't get recognized by the other mainstream awards outfits. Yeah. Um, which is again not to say that that stuff's better. Well, and I'll say this: worse. if you look at what the Independent Spirit Awards used to be, that you you ran across that a lot. But is that a function? Yeah, back of, in like the nineteen eighties when Blue Velvet. Yeah, uh, yeah. But I, I, for all I know, Blue Velvet was nominated for Oscars. I don't, I don't, I don't know if it was uh, a director. I believe. Uh, um, okay, so there you go. It did get some. But that's the thing: is is that a function of the Indie Spirit Awards changing, which I, is probably yes, or the Oscars right around 1996 uh, trying to embrace this other thing, you know? I think the whole thing is melted together. Like, yeah. you know, you get your burger with your hot bun and your ice-cold crisp lettuce. Yeah. If you don't eat it right away, it all starts to get the same temperature. That's why McDonald's had the McDLT, oh. which I never got to try. I was too young. I don't know why they don't bring it back. I would have hated it. Including bringing back Jason Alexander as the pitchman. Yeah. Maybe. <laughs> I, I only know this from Never Not Funny when Mike Schmidt did it. It's like, maybe the best lettuce-based hamburger ever. <laughs> it's like, there's a lot of qualifiers in that sentence. <laughs> but um, so here's what I find Wait, interesting. Have you seen that commercial? Yeah. Yeah. When he's like, I can't remember the opening. He's like, you guys sick of boring old hamburgers in this town? Like he came into the small town to yeah. rally, yeah. The town it's like the music folk. man, yeah. And he leads him down the street to the yeah. McDonald's with the, yeah. the McDLT. Um, uh, it sounded so good. I really wanted. I really wanted. It's an interesting theory, you know. When you get into hamburger theory, that was that's near the top. Yeah. Um, but uh, 
What's interesting and what surprises me is that you actually do seem to be embracing this idea that independent has is not only about budget, it can be about content as well. Um, uh, and I think it's... Uh, I think if we're going to keep the word around... Okay. Um, which earlier I said, we'd, I don't know that we necessarily need to. You made a good point. But if we're going to keep the word around, then... To speak to your point, it mm-hmm. should be about stuff that isn't otherwise going to get the attention that it maybe deserves. Let me and, ask you this. I'm sorry, you were you, finish your thought. Well, I was going to bring up another point to okay. add into this, which is foreign stuff. Okay. Because when I was listing um, movies earlier um, that are independent that came out this year, I almost said I almost mentioned David Michaud's The Rover. Okay. Um, but I don't know how to qualify. I don't know how to qualify a movie like that or like David Cronenberg's films. Other people named David. Yeah. Like David Cronenberg's films that are at least to some extent financed by the governments of the, you know. Uh, yeah. Like I, I think maybe even Calvary might have been somewhat Irish financed. Yeah. Um, I mean, Mr. Tur- I just saw Mr. Turner. That certainly was. Yeah. We don't have that here yeah. in the U.S. But does that is that independent? You know, is there as much of a struggle? I think um, – my my other co-host Paul Goble, uh, my lesser co-host, co-ho- right. co-host tier two. There you go. Um, anyway, he was talking about. I, I guess Fa- I like to say phase two. Yeah, was it last year that Philomena came out? Or two years ago. That was last year. So last year he went to a Q and A um, about Phil- Philomena. Uh, he went to see the movie. and There was a Q and A with Steve Coogan, who was not only the one of the stars, but he was a co-writer and co-producer right. on the film. Uh, and one of the questions was about. You know, did you have any difficulty getting it made? And he was like, no, that's not how it works. You know, mm-hmm. it's like we got the money from the government to make the movie. And that, yeah, yeah it's it's different. And and so um, if, if we're – but that said, let's compare those two films. Philomena, if we're talking about the independent spirit, again, I really liked – really, really liked Philomena, actually. I thought it was great. Did I still have it? not seen it. It's really good. Um, if you compare Philomena to the rover – one of those is definitely exuding more of an independent spirit. Yeah. You know, um, the Rover is a, uh, shockingly, uh, violent, but also occasion. It is a movie that is, that I would say the average person would find boring 85% of the time. And then shockingly violent the other fifteen percent of the time. Yeah. Uh, who directed it? Uh, David Michaud, who did animal kingdom. Okay. Yes. Um, but it takes place in a, you know, futuristic post-apocalyptic a very depressing very economically depressed uh, and depraved uh version of australia hmm. that mostly involves people driving around and not talking to each other's to each other and like waving flies out of their face because it's crazy hot and everyone's caked with dirt or the blood of the person they shot 20 minutes before it's you the, still have not it, seen the proposition right uh, i have not seen the proposition but i, this I, go, I, it's, I exa- the it's the same thing going the other way <laughs> uh, uh yeah i mean i i think I'm far from the, I'm probably not even the millionth person to say the Rover is essentially a, you know, post-apocalyptic futurist Western. It's a, it's a Western movie where they have cars. Um, but anyway, it's what I'm saying is, um, Philomena, I, I would have, I would have no reservations recommending to my boss, right? Like Philomena, whereas I would not recommend my boss go see the Rover because, Hey, I don't think she'd like it to be. I don't want her to think that I'm some weirdo who likes yeah. uh, crazy stuff. She comes in and says, I hope you had a good weekend and I hope the rest of your life is good because you're fired. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, uh, 
so well, I guess that's just a new wrinkle to add in, whether or not this um, stuff that gets distributed in, in America, you know, along roughly independent lines, but yeah. is financed by the government of its home country, whether that counts as independent. Let me let me as long as we're, you know, wrinkling this sheet. Um, <laughs> here's another one that I wanted to throw at you. Something you and I have commented on in the past is that for a while, the highest grossing independent film was Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Right. And it was unseated by The Passion of the Christ. Indeed. Yeah. There's that, those two movies have so much in common. Uh, the Passion and of the Christ one is, more thing. as far as I know, to this day, the high, highest grossing independent movie in American yeah. film history, the highest grossing R-rated movie in yeah. American film history, and the highest grossing foreign language film in American history, even yeah. though it's not a foreign production. Yeah. Which, yeah, which really, like... <laughs> Because I think it wound up being nominated for a Golden Globe because that's foreign language film. But uh, but it was – I think that's what it was. But yeah. of course, it, for a number of reasons, it was not nominated for an Oscar. But Even though the Oscar not category is still foreign language, like the name of it, right? Is it? Or is it just best foreign film? I think it's best foreign film, but I might be I might be wrong on that. Because we could do a whole episode on the rules of submitting foreign language films for the Oscars because it's really fascinating to me actually. Yeah, and then we could do an episode about the rules for documentary, and I, and we might have, kill ourselves yeah. halfway through the episode. And also, we need to push that down the road so I can do some t- spend some time figuring out what the fuck the rules are for documentary. They're always changing. It's very strange. But the, yeah, the foreign thing is really interesting to me. Yeah, and um, what was I saying? Uh, you know, Passion of the Christ. Oh, that's right, yeah. In, I think, 2002, a film called um, Divine Intervention that was made in Palestine that could not submit for the Oscars because Palestine was not recognized as interesting. A nation. I didn't know that. Yeah. The thing that always, that it's a, it's an awesome movie divine intervention. It's kind of like a sort of, um, fiercely political, like Louise Boonwell type of nice, you know, surrealist satire thing. It's really cool. The thing that always fascinates me is that like, uh, it's like the Olympics in that this is the official submission of the entire country. Yeah. How about this? Two. Go with two. Because I remember but then I have you very get specific- own politics there where uh Itma Tambien did not get submitted it did not. by Mexico uh El, the crime of Father Amaro. Was, that's or exactly what I was gonna bring up. Amaro, um did because it was I guess more acceptable to was it the government? Isn't I mean? Isn't the that's all? Yeah, I mean, <laughs> but I guess this gets into our idea of what independent spirit is. Yeah. Did you ever see the Crime of Father Tomorrow? I did not. It's pretty by the numbers. I okay. mean, yeah, it does deal with uh, abortion, I think, and um, I can't remember. But it's yeah, it's a scandal, scandalous, yeah, a scandalous yeah. priest. But it's still in terms of its uh, form and structure. Yeah, it's a pretty. Uh, recognizable convention-based no. film, whereas Itamawa Tambien is not, uh, and it's more risque, and there's a general sense of it just being, I guess, tonally different than what people are probably used to. As I've said many times before, I'll get back to Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles in a moment. Okay. Uh, but yeah, uh, here's a fun question for you. Let's imagine... Uh, 
Well, I guess not the BAFTAs. But, I mean, other countries have their own, you know, major film awards. Um, and let's say uh, a non-English speaking country had their awards and they have one for best foreign language well, film. Are the French ones the Caesars? I think so. I might, uh, does Italy have? Probably. Yeah. I mean. Yeah, the French, the Caesar. Okay. All right. Um, yeah. So let's say they have a, a non-French, uh, speaking film and every country can only submit one. Which film, let's go from last year. Which film would you want the United States to submit (laughs) as this is our film? From from 2013. Sure. Probably not 12 Years a Slave. Like, we don't need to... Yeah. Uh, yeah. They're already well aware of this. <laughs> yeah, we can... Yeah. It's a, it's good for us to focus on that part of our past. Yeah. We don't need to telegraph it to everyone else. Yeah. Uh, no, I don't know. Maybe Dallas Buyers Club. <laughs> it's it's rough because... Les Miserables. That was two years ago. That's two years ago. I feel like maybe like Her or something like that. But at the same time... You, I guess it's it, it's you want something that's the best the best of what we can do, not necessarily something that epitomizes what we are. Because her does certainly not epitomize what American film is, mm-hmm. but it is also one of the best things to come out of. And uh, yeah, I no, yeah. Personally, I would just I, I joke about not wanting Twelve Years a Slave, but if I if I thought Twelve Years a Slave was the best American film, which it's not, it's a is it an American? Yeah, I guess it is an American film. Yeah, I guess um, so. The Baptist considered it a British film because of extensive British contributions to yes. it, such as the director being British. Yes. But um, anyway, that's neither here nor there. Um, I would just want it to be the best because I wouldn't want yeah. a situation like what happened with Mexico's film in 2001. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I would want whatever I think is the best to be submitted no matter what. Okay. Um, yeah, that'd be... Hmm. Anyway, um, uh, back to Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Absolutely. Uh, so that here we have a movie that is truly independent for strange reasons. Mm-hmm. Um, but when you think about it, I mean, it was an a-, a film adaptation of an insanely. I mean, you and I were kids at that time. An insanely popular cartoon. If anything, like it's a mystery why studios didn't want it. Right. Okay, it should have been picked up and had a crazy budget. It should have been Batman, but it wasn't. So it was independent somehow, but it does not have an independent spirit, although it's a little murky at times and it's kind of dark and, and that sort of thing, yeah. but no darker than Batman, which was couldn't have been more of a studio release. And so, um, so you know, that's, that's, you know, we're talking about films that are, that feel independent. But really, if you look at the the sheer amount of money they have, that they, they don't they're not really independent. This is a film that was actually independent, but it's in your opinion, is that an independent film? Because it certainly doesn't feel like it. Um, I have to rewatch Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, but um, I guess if it yeah, cashing in on an existing property doesn't seem like something that I want to yeah. celebrate. Yeah, a huge existing property. <laughs> yeah. uh, but that does bring me to another issue. Okay. We're just, this is Battleship Pretenders that we're just throwing out more complications and never getting to an answer. It's the way we like to do it. It's exciting, though. Um, I like it. It's not like, okay, in the terms of, uh, let's, let's look at the beer industry. Okay. Um, there are your major breweries, 
Okay. And then there's a whole, whole lot of space, and then there are craft breweries. Okay. Um, and there is a there is a cutoff point, like the number of barrels of beer you have to make in a year uh, to be you have to make less than a certain number to be called a craft brewer. Okay. And I don't I don't remember what the exact numbers are. The largest craft brewery in the nation is Samuel Adams. Oh, okay. And it comes nowhere near the limit. Like Samuel Adams could make three times as much beer as they make and still be under the limit of being considered a craft brewer. Okay. And then so that's what I'm saying. There's a huge jump okay. to where you get to the millions of barrels of beer a year that are produced by Miller and Budweiser and right. stuff like that. Um that's not the way the movie industry is set up. Right. We think of, okay, we think of the majors as what? Warner Brothers, Disney, Sony, Fox, Universal. Paramount, Universal, yeah. uh, and, you know, once upon a time, MGM, but yeah, yeah. not anymore. Um, I feel like I'm, li- I'm trying to think of in terms of where the studio lots are. Yeah, so yeah. Culver, you have Sony. Century City is Fox, Hollywood is Paramount, Burbank is Warner Brothers, and Disney. And um, Universal's and in... Universal's in Studio City. Yeah. Um, so that's six right there that I just named. Yeah. But it's not like, okay, you've got those and everything else is independent, because what of Lionsgate? What yeah. of Summit? Dreamwor- DreamWorks. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, yeah, DreamWorks, I guess, has distribution deals with uh, major studios, but so does some of the... Legendary. What about Legendary? Yeah. Um, you wouldn't like the Hunger Games is not an independent film. The Hunger Games franchise is not an independent just because it doesn't come from one of those six. It comes from Lionsgate. Yeah, but it, uh, <laughs> so again, I, I'm just throwing more complications into how we define uh, what makes independent. Yeah, and it's and I guess at this point, you know, it 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 maybe was a little black and white for me until this conversation, uh, <laughs> allowing me to get angry at the, uh, independent spirit awards, but it really does seem to be, um, you know, I, I joked earlier that it was aptly named, but now I, now I think I'm saying it for reals, um, <laughs> that it is this idea of, I don't get me wrong. I do think these $25 million budget with movie star things like, come on guys, right. you're really, you're not, chan- I do feel like, when you when you're the independent spirit awards it's the nature of what you're doing is there's an ideology behind it mm-hmm. so if there's an ideological uh aspect then i feel like i don't have a problem with saying then okay then you should try to champion actual independent film right um and and get some exposure for something that that you know the silver linings playbook was always going to be fine 12 Years a Slave, in its own way, was always going to be fine. Yeah. They didn't need that. I will you know? say this, though. Um, I'm trying to think of an example. Um, and I can't think of an example. Let's say there's an independent record label. Okay. Right, that gets a chance to sign, okay, someone like some huge name, Billy Joel. Okay wants to put out a record and they get a chance to sign Billy Joel mm-hmm. and everything else on their record label is well loved by the sort of cognoscenti and the, okay. the, the know-it-alls of, uh, you know, the record store clerks, those yeah. type of people. Um, if releasing one Billy Joel record means that they can finance themselves for the next five years, yeah, is it worth it? And here's 
what I'm ta- where I say that film independent that puts on the independent spirit awards also, uh, uh you know, um, uh, programs the film series at LAC at the LACMA, Los Angeles County Museum of Art, yeah, and does the Los Angeles Film Festival every June downtown, which mm-hmm. is a truly independent film festival, yeah. As much as I love AFI, mm-hmm. and AFI does show a lot of independent stuff, and I, I really enjoy going there, but um, by the time a movie gets programmed for AFI, it's because it's already it usually already has uh distribution, it's made its made the rounds of the festivals mm-hmm. uh, afi film festival comes every november and plays as the greatest hits of the previous year of yeah. film festivals whereas los angeles film festival um and this is maybe why i enjoy covering that one a little bit more um it really is stuff that you you may never hear from again yeah you, you know I, I was so happy that encounters at the end of the world finally came out yeah um a month or so ago uh and then winter in the blood just came mm-hmm. out like a week ago um, movies that I saw at the 2013 film festival and then didn't hear anything of yeah. for more than a year. Um, so if film independent and the money they get for putting on the exposure, and the money they get for putting on the independent spirit awards and for, you know, awarding stuff that people are going to want to tune in to see, cause that's right. a big, that's a big part of it is, you know, the viewership, at least for Oscars, you know, the viewership tends to go up when, films that were popular were nominated yeah um if it if if that if if to use a high school word if selling out a little bit on this one thing yeah allows them to do the things they're doing the other 11 months of the year is it worth it well and this goes back to what i was saying earlier in the episode is you know if they're provided they're not selling out to the extent that they're saying that they're finding a way to nominate transformers or something like that then then i I guess i'm okay with it because if they're using that to do a larger thing you know then it's like um oh hell one of my i'm not a big fan of the movie lincoln but i really enjoy tommy lee jones character and his willingness to actually say the exact opposite of what he thinks Mm -hmm. in order to accomplish what he believes um you know, it's, uh, I'm then, you know what? I'm okay with it. You're a pragmatist. Yeah. I think I'm okay with it too. Yeah. But it does, it will bother me. Let's say I love Birdman. Mm -hmm. Let's say Birdman wins the independent spirit award. Yeah. It'll still bother me a little bit. That, a movie from an established director with big movie stars won again. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I would rather, obvious child or the rover be yeah uh considered but i don't know that they will be yeah there is a you know what it's interesting there's a film that i just watched um i'm i'm catching up on movies that okay so i because they're not sponsoring us i'm not going to say what it is but i'm i'm engaging in this uh service yeah i know we've got another one yeah we have another sponsor um, i have to go to a different place on my phone here um but uh so I'm doing this thing that is allowing me to see movies uh, for very little money, um, and I don't just right. mean press screenings. Uh, and so I'm catching up on movies that I probably wouldn't have spent money on. So I saw St. Vincent uh, a couple days ago. Yeah. It's fine. Yeah, you know, it's, it's a I, fine movie. I didn't. Um, I would think it was a little less than fine, but it has. It has its, it's got, moments. You got a good cast. Yeah. And it does well. Yeah. With that cast. And yeah. Dowd keeps showing up and stuff. What was that? And Dowd. Yeah. 
Yeah. Good for her. Yeah. I'm She's on the, um, I don't know if you watched that, uh, you have HBO Go. We watched the, did you watch Olive Kittredge? I did not. I watched the first two hours. It's really good. Yeah. And yeah, she's in that too. The guy uh, who's currently playing the Riddler or Edward Nygma on uh, Gotham, he's in that. Oh, who is he? He's uh, this I young... You don't know. I don't know. He's this young guy. He's got like facial hair in the oh, thing. Kevin. I think his character's named Kevin. Sure. Um, he seems like a Kevin. That reminds me before you get to the ad. No, you know what? Do the ad. Then uh, we'll go back. Okay. Um, shoot. What was I talking about before? Well, I'm sure you'll find it. If it was important, you'll oh, find it. Oh, I was just going to say that uh, I saw a film that I feel like actually is independent, and it feels independent, which is Nightcrawler, which I enjoyed okay. tremendously. And I think you would like it as well. I think I would. And it's shot by Robert Ellswood, which is almost yeah. on its own enough to recommend it to me. And it has uh, one of the most distinct performances of the year in Jake Gyllenhaal, who is finding his, who's finding his true calling as a character actor. Um, okay. Did you see Prisoners? I did not, but I heard he was great in it. He's, it's not a great movie, but he's fantastic. Yeah. All right. This episode is also sponsored by the Double Feature Podcast, this week talking about The Lion King and Escape from Tomorrow. In this episode, they talk about how The Lion King stayed in the popular consciousness and the top 40 nature of its soundtrack. As they discuss Escape from Tomorrow, they ask the question if it is even possible to separate the film itself from the guerrilla style in which it was made, which is, that is a good conversation to have. Uh, lots to talk about in this episode. To listen to this and other episodes, click on the ad at battleshippretension.com. Now, you mentioned Riddlers. Yes. You mentioned a Riddler. Oh, yes. Okay. I sent you something. You didn't respond to me. I'm sorry. It's. Uh, I imagine you were celebrating. My my that this uh, even exists. My computer was. I my computer was out of commission for a while, so I only have my phone, and I tend not to respond to emails uh, that way. Okay. Um, but for those who don't know, I don't know if any of our listeners um, live in, Toh- in Toledo. If you do, you're gonna want to go see the minor league hockey team, the Walleye, not the Walleyes. Weirdly, yeah. it's the Toledo Walleye. Mm-hmm. Um, on Saturday, November 22nd, because <laughs> they're doing, they will be wearing hockey jerseys that look like, make them look like Batman. Mm-hmm. And the visiting good sports, the Evansville Icemen, <laughs> will be wearing hockey jerseys yeah. that look like the Riddler. They literally look like they have lapels and a tie and have mm-hmm. question marks all over them, but it's a hockey jersey. And I don't know, I'm not sure if this will be, if you'll be able to participate in this okay. online, but. After, immediately after the game, there will be a live auction for all the jerseys. Hmm. Benefit uh, Proceeds benefiting the Muscular Dystrophy Association, March wow. of Dimes, and the Walleye Wishing Well. I don't know what that last one is. Sounds kind of shady. <laughs> um, uh, uh, or if you know someone, hey, if you live in Toledo, they will also be selling, probably not game-worn ones, but they will be selling the Batman-themed jerseys. Uh, in fact, are currently selling them at the Swamp Shop, which I'm guessing is the team's probably uh, uh, the team store. So if if they're selling those Riddler jerseys, and you want to send something to me, listeners, uh, Toledo listeners, yeah. uh, that'd be a pretty good one. I hope, yeah, I hope we have someone who lives near Toledo yeah. who can get uh, one of those Riddler Riddler hockey jerseys. That would be fantastic. That'd be pretty great. <laughs> it is a shame that mr freeze does not have a more distinctive costume because they're going against the ice men right yeah i mean this but thing writes you, it itself would be a collection collectible for you well not for me no but i know i know somebody when i told somebody that i collect riddler stuff this person's face lit up like i'd never seen and i said what he goes i collect mr freeze <laughs> <laughs> where did you meet this person uh it was uh 
years ago. He actually was on the show a long time ago. His name's Kevin Hanna. He's an animator. Oh, yeah. I know, yeah. I know Kevin Hanna. So, uh, yeah. So, it was very exciting. Uh, yeah. Okay. So, spirits. that's an action item for you Toledo area listeners. Mm-hmm. What, what else do we have to talk about? Uh, I, I Is am, it time to wrap up? I'm getting a little sleepy. And <laughs> I cheered up from the beginning of the episode. I was until a few minutes ago. And then I, knowing that we were going to be wrapping up, <laughs> I was just like, ah, shit, I got to deal with this again. I think right. I'm literally going to have to basically tear out, just tear down what I've done so far and build it back up again. It, and maybe it'll work. Maybe it right. won't. I don't know. Right. So not excited. Like you're refinishing a basement. Exactly. Yeah. Okay, well, um, this has been fun. Yeah. Uh, you can find us at battleshippretension.com. That's where you can find this podcast, all the other podcasts in the BP fleet, and all of our movie reviews. You can read my movie review my review of uh, Christopher Nolan's Interstellar that we talked mm-hmm. about. Or my movie review of uh, James Marsh's The Theory of Everything. Indeed, yes. Um, <laughs> um uh, it, that's all at battleshipretention.com. You can email us, David at battleshipretention.com or Tyler at battleshipretention.com. You can follow me on Twitter at The Pretension. You can and should follow Tyler on Twitter at Tyler Pretension. How's this working? I haven't checked it's your... It's going okay. Okay. People need to understand. Yeah. We didn't make this clear for years. Yeah. Because, frankly, when Twitter first came around and I was like, I think we should start a Twitter account for the show. You were like, eh, whatever. Yeah. <laughs> you did. So I took over the Twitter account and then I felt like I had all, all our followers. Mm-hmm. So now people need to know they need to follow both of us. Indeed. I'm at the pretension. He's Tyler pretension. Yeah. At Tyler pretension. So check that out. Check out your other podcast. More than one lesson. Maybe. Yeah. Who knows what's going know. on there. Um, and uh, check out my other podcast. It's a TV podcast that I do with the king of TV, Paul Goble. That's uh, uh, second tier uh, understudy co-host, Paul Goble. Indeed. Yeah. <laughs> uh, this week, we'll be talking about the aforementioned Olive Kittredge, and we'll also be talking about the Cartoon Network miniseries, Over the Garden Wall. Hmm. Uh, so check that out, and thanks for listening. We'll get you next time. Bye. Bye. This program is a proud member of the Battleship Pretension Fleet. 